Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Got a big event coming up Thursday, the 28th of July. No events in August, so one of the last times to see us as you're starting to wind down. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar, Double Tree by Helton. It's income and retirement. It's one of those things that you hopefully have enough of um, so that you can maintain a, uh, the lifestyle that you want and kind of the golden years that you thought and promised and kind of built up in your head. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton. He'll be at the event. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well. Good, good. So there's some concepts or topics that surprise people in retirement. Um, I don't like surprises. <laughs> I don't think I'd like surprises in retirement. What do I need to know? Well, um, besides a lot of people say that there's the, a lot of the happy people say that they're so busy now that they didn't even know how they had time to work. That, that'd be one surprise, and that'd be a pleasant surprise for most people. Um, okay. the, the other end of that is people that are bored in retirement. They probably didn't transition properly. But in terms of kind of the financial side, um, Medicare isn't free. Uh, you get Medicare Part A for free, but Medicare Part B you pay for 105 bucks a month. And there was a couple of years in a row where it went up double digits in terms of cost for people. And one of those years, Social Security didn't go up at all. And another year, it only went up by 2%. So it's the government's telling you, oh, there's no social, there's no inflation, but yet they increased the cost double digits of Medicare Part B. But I mean, that's not even enough. You still need supplemental insurance. You need um, to look at long-term care insurance or have a plan B for it. If you, if one of you goes into a nursing home, you know, at age 75, 80 years old, how are you going to pay for it? Is it have money set aside? Are you going to use your home? Do you have long-term care insurance? So it's the healthcare costs that are the biggest surprises for people. And then another one is when they kind of plan out their budgeting items, they forget about taxes. They forget about the fact that when you pull money out of your IRA, you're going to pay taxes on that money. And oftentimes, if you make over a certain amount, 85% of your Social Security for most families is taxable income. So 
So even though you, you know, put it in out of your paycheck when it comes out, it's taxable to you. And those numbers, if you're married, filing jointly, you're making over 42000 a year, modified adjusted gross income. So if half of your Social Security plus all of your other income, including tax-free bond income, is over 42000 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So that's most people um, pay taxes on their Social Security. And the other one, Rob, I think that we can kind of end this one with is the, that basically CDs are losing over 2% per year in value. How is that? Right is that because of inflation or purchasing power? Absolutely because of inflation. I mean, I've, you look at CDs that are out five years right now, and you're talking about under 2% rate of return. Where the CPIU numbers on the cost of or the, the, the cost of inflation essentially is running over 3%. Um, we're going to see those numbers kind of increase because we'll have this, you know, full year since oil and energy prices started to pull back up again recently. But healthcare costs are up, food costs are up, housing costs are up. So if you have a CD that's earning one percent and inflation's running over three, you're losing two percent a year of your money by just letting it sit in the bank. So one of the areas where we've been discussing and I guess it's kind of water cooler for financial media people and financial people in general. Low interest rates, lower for longer. We've started using phrases like that. Yeah. When do you think rates might normalize? Because you seem to think everything reverts to a mean, but when you're stuck in the moment, you just, I can't see a scenario yet. Right. Yeah, with stocks, that, that everything reverts to a mean is typically a 10-year cycle. With real okay. estate, it's 7 to 10 years. But with interest rates, it could be much longer. Um, I think it's, you know, we've gone through a declining interest rate environment almost since you and I have been doing radio for the last 17 years, Rob, if you think about it. I mean, it's just I agree. a continuing reduction in interest rates over that period of time. And at one point with Greenspan, that, you know, created a big real estate bubble. Um, so central bank involvement will probably eventually end because I think it's it's showing that it's just really not helping it's hurting savers more than it's making businesses invest capital wise so and you, i think it's what you're getting a lot of pushback it's not working for the middle class so that's where you're getting a lot of pushback politically on these items so i think it's going to still take four to six years to get back to where we can earn you know three to five percent on a five-year cd and, and four to six percent on a conservative bond so we have to plan for that you know six years plus of really low interest rates, so you have to have some alternatives to CDs, um, whether it's uh, equity-linked index CDs, FDIs or CDs that are more tied to the stock market, where you can't lose money, but you can gain maybe you know 30% of the upside of the market over a three- to five-year period. you got to make sure they're FDIC-insured. There's bond alternatives, like certain no-load variable annuities, and I mean no-load, no fees to get in or fees to get out, no commissions involved that you can kind of pass some income risk off of the insurance company, not your principal risk, but your income risk. So you can get anywhere from 4 to 6%, depending on your age, for the rest of your life. And the insurance company's on the hook if your account goes to zero. But a lot of it is just education on volatility because people are going to have to be a bit more into equities or some growth and some income. And it's really about educating people that you have to have cash on the sidelines to get through the bad times and you can't sell. You can't be a panic seller because, I mean, we've seen it twice this year with Brexit and then before in June where the market can have quick sell-offs of 10 to 15%. 
you got to look at those as buying opportunities versus, oh, my gosh, i got to get out. Because people did get out. I and mean, I guarantee there's people listening to your show right now that got out and turned, you know, what was a, you know, reaction of the market, a panic reaction, into real losses that they will never recover. Um, so if you're doing those types of reactions, you got to turn your money over to, to, to uh, money manage that can help you not make those emotional mistakes. And there's other things too, Rob, like paying off your mortgage is making a lot more sense for people as they get into retirement because the tax deduction isn't there because the interest rates are so low and you've got cash on the sidelines and you say, okay, I can either invest in bonds at you know two and a half percent or I can pay off my mortgage at 3.85%. Um, and the other big one I think that we have to deal with for the next four or six years is try to avoid increasing your withdrawals. Um, a lot of times, you know, I mean, we run financial plans assuming that we're going to have to pull out three to three and a half percent more each year to keep up with inflation. But anything you can do, I mean, like people, if they're traveling a lot, try the VBR or house swaps or, or, you know, stop going for these senior discounts that tend to not be good and try to hotel.com it or something like that. Try to find ways, creative ways to save money or get cash back instead of increase your withdrawals. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but that's that's really what you have to do to be aware that these interest rates are going to be low for quite a while. We're almost out of time. The big event is coming up, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar, Thursday, July 28, 630 to 9. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. In about 10 seconds, any last thoughts, Mr. Burton? Um, you know, creating a retirement budget, it takes a little bit of time. It's a work in progress for several years. you got to set your limits. And you got to realize that seeing the world and fixing up your home in retirement can get pretty spendy. So you got to be really careful the first five years to not overspend. Sounds good. That's something that personally scares me, this whole uh, budgeting in retirement. People can learn a lot more at the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. I'll be there going over some dividend stocks. CFP Chad Burton will be there going over the 10 pillars, accounts to draw from, Social Security benefits outliving your savings, don't want to do that. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, it's earnings season, so we obviously will play around with that. Johnson Johnson quarterly sales rose 3.9%. That's one of those consumer stapled stocks that have done incredibly well. Uh, and I guess the way I like to explain things at times is Johnson & Johnson was around when you were a little kid. When you were either a little boy or girl and it'll be around long after you pass. Um, just my thought on that's probably the easiest way to think about it. And the stocks had an amazing 52 weeks going from roughly $181 all the way to $125. Um, it's not cheap. 
you know, that's the, the knock on it at this point in time. Everyone knows about it. People are flocking to stocks with dividends. People are stocking, flocking to uh, companies that are able to pay out. Uh, the price-to-sales ratio is very high at 4.9. That's one of the indicators I really like looking at. The PE is currently 23 times trailing forward to about 17, 18 times, which isn't It's bad, but it's not horrific. Um so you own this one because it has a little bit of dividend and you know it's going to be around for a while. And that's one of the negatives on Wall Street right now is that we're being, it's been the rally hitting all-time highs is in a large part coming from uh, defensive ideas. And that's not ideal. It's okay. It's just not ideal as far as um, you kind of want to see growth growing and leading so, um, a smattering of earnings reports out. Um, IBM had just another another quarter where revenues fall. Um, diluted earnings per share on IBM's non-GAAP, generally accepted accounting practices, down 3%. But the stock is up because it's been beaten down for so long at this point in time. Um, Goldman Sachs diluted earnings per share up. That was nice to see up 88%. Again, the financials have kind of come in and done their job. Johnson Johnson, United Health, Lockheed Martin, Granger missed. Um, but those first three, Johnson Johnson, United Health, and Lockheed Martin, all did well. Uh, very, very well. Philip Morris, not so much. Netflix didn't have the greatest quarter. They saw high churn, and you see the stock getting punished because of that. High churn meaning they raised prices. But what's actually kind of interesting in it is they grandfathered um, subscribers into a lower price, but that price period was coming to an end, and people felt like Netflix was raising a price on them. Um, it's a little matter of semantics. For the quarter, Netflix added 160,000 members in the U.S., uh, 1.5 million internationally. Um, it had expected to add 500,000 in the U.S., so it came up well short, and it expected to add 2 million internationally. Now, a lot of people are going to say, you know, it's heavily tied towards Brexit. It's tied towards other issues. Um, the company is just not generating enough cash at this point in time. The content costs are increasing. So the international expansion is low quality. Competition's only going to get worse in the business. Content's being created at an exponential rate from all media companies. And the valuation is very, very high. So that stock is pulling back. Um, today it's down about 13.5%, sitting around $85 a share. It's part of the FANG stocks, Facebook, um, obviously Amazon, Netflix, and Google, also known as Alphabet now. Um, taking a look at the PE of something like a Netflix, it's over 250 So is it? A new network? I kind of, I, I believe it is. Uh, but there is a lot of competition for our eyeballs out there right now. Um, what's interesting is I just heard there's a new show on Netflix that everyone's saying is kind of like a, a Twin Peaks kind of show. Um, and that interests me, to say the least, because I kind of like creepy and odd shows. Uh, mysteries kind of uh, play out better for me than most types of entertainment. I'm not a big fan of comedies. Um, but anyhow, I'm kind of digressing a little bit, aren't I? 
So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The S&P 500 has climbed to new all-time highs. It's up about 3% since July 1st. Looking at the calendar, it's a big, big month so far. Uh, the S&P 500 is trading 18 times earnings going forwards, uh, about 18.8 times going backwards, and those are considered stretched valuations, to say the least. Um, housing starts um, important, jumped about 4.8%. So those are future jobs. Building permits increased to a seasonally adjusted rate of 1.1 million. So when you have permits, uh, you have basically jobs coming down the road. And when you have jobs, you have people getting paychecks. And when people have paychecks, they tend to put them right back into the economy or into housing or into cars. Uh, you get the idea. I think you get the idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Volkswagen announced that they're going to build some electric vehicles inside the United States in Tennessee. Um, Volkswagen is a company that is oof, trying to manage its reputation pretty hardcore at this point. So installing electric car production in the U.S. would be an olive branch to regulators who hit Volkswagen hard in recent months. Um, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, and California's Influential Air Resources Board are pushing automakers to offer more electric vehicles, even as gasoline prices are lower. Twitter announced uh, a deal with the NBA. I don't get it. Uh, Twitter's live streaming plans are getting an assist from the NBA, but it won't be streaming the games. Uh, what? So it's going to bring two live shows to the social network, the NBA is, for the upcoming season. The first of the two broadcast a new weekly pregame show will launch around the start of the season. The content will be available free exclusively, exclusively on Twitter and accessible regardless of whether users logged in the surface or not. Beyond live broadcast, the league's also expanding the use of Twitter's Amplify platform, which increases the amount of content it produces for Twitter, Vine, and Periscope. So, cute, but that's the press release, right? I think people will care when there's some reality um, tied towards some of their, their growing numbers, which aren't growing at this point in time. Nintendo's Pokemon. Uh, market cap of Nintendo's stock has basically doubled since Pokemon Go's launch. So the shares soared 14% on Tuesday, more than doubling the firm's capitalization in just seven sessions. The phenomenal success of Pokemon Go, now available in 35 countries, uh, the majority in Europe, and most recently in Canada, has triggered massive buying of Nintendo shares. Um, pretty insane. So people are actually creating Pokemon Go accounts, running up the levels, and then selling them. So you can buy someone else's work, per se. <laughs> I don't know about that. It seems kind of awful to me. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, robblackshow, YouTube, robblackshow. Don't forget, i got a bit event coming up on the 28th in Burlingame, Income and Retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start every morning by reading his page one uh, article at briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Is he still there? Mr. O'Hare? I am. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, market highs again. What's bringing us to this level? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, markets at all time highs here, and it's. Uh, I said it earlier in my page one comment today that you've seen the uh, the market rally uh, in July as earnings estimates have actually come down. Uh, and so, to your question, you know, what's gotten us here? You know, I think really is, um, you know, this issue of of relative investment appeal, right? And that you certainly are running up against the headwinds and some stretched valuation. But, but when you look at the uh, potential return, you know, on the S&P 500 relative to what you're getting off of a, off of a treasury security, um, you know, investors continue to seek higher yield in the equity market. Uh, and that's leading stock prices higher in the face of some questionable fundamentals. And as you continue to see these indices move away, uh, to the upside, you have you know fund managers that find themselves underinvested and are needing to uh, you know follow that performance. Uh, and in turn, you're seeing a lot of sideline participants sitting on you know a bunch of cash, uh, you know worried about missing out on, on the next big up leg. And so you're seeing somewhat of uh, some speculative activity tied in with some, uh, I think, really just really the quest for higher uh, higher yields. Okay. So I noticed uh, Johnson & Johnson sitting at an all-time high, cute little dividend yield, nothing gargantuan, uh, but very high valuation, consumer staples company. Uh, should we be worried? Like, I, don't, I know we're not going to go for specific advice here, but I guess I'm kind of crafting a specific advice kind of question. Should we yeah. be considering selling or trimming some of our winners uh, that have come from defensive type of names like utilities and consumer goods, which typically aren't that 52-week highs with high valuations. Right. Yeah. You know, that actually uh, hits right on the, the main theme of the, uh, the big picture column I wrote, posted uh, to briefing.com on Friday. Uh, it was okay. titled, um, you know, From Seeking Yield to Seeking Profits. And what I pointed out in that article really is essentially that you, you know, have a number of these areas that are higher yielding areas like the utilities, the telecom services, and the consumer staple sectors um, filled with, you know, good quality companies and companies that are paying some relatively attractive dividends and, and are, of course, uh, providing dividend growth. Uh, but what I pointed out there is that really you're starting to see some elevated concentration risk uh, in that positioning. Right, because you know, just about everyone under the sun right now is coming out, and uh, when asked, you know, where do you go for yield uh, if you can't find it in the treasury market, you know, the inevitable answer is that well, you, you turn to areas like utilities and telecom services and consumer staples, and and what I was driving at really is that when everyone starts thinking and saying the same thing, is usually a setup for the opposite thing happening um, because the, those areas get so overbought. Uh, on that, uh, you know, that idea, and uh, and you know, they become subject to price risk in the near term. So, um, so you know, I think it would be prudent to to look at 
uh, trimming some positions in those you know highly uh, uh, those hot performing areas that have outrun the market here. Um, not saying to just sell them, you know, you know, carte blanche, but but really when you look at those areas that have made big runs, it might behoove an investor to you know take some profits and you know maybe reallocate to some other areas that have underperformed uh, when looking to essentially position a portfolio for for the longer term uh, outlook. Simply speaking and boiling down, and I'm not going to get too political, but it looks like Trump would be the better president for the short-term economy, but the bad one for, you know, obviously our deficit, uh, whereas Hillary might go after the banks and slow down lending a bit. Um, do you buy into notions that we could kind of figure out what's going to happen with the economy based on their platforms? It's really tough, uh, Rob. I think that uh, you know creates a lot of noise, obviously, and it can can create some volatility here for the uh, for the equity market in the very short term. Here, um, we can't set aside the fact that you know you need Congress to, uh, to you know basically uh, push through major pieces of legislation that really have you know meaningful economic impact. And, you know, that's also a question mark there in terms of, you know, what type of cooperation there will be uh, in Congress with whoever the, the incoming president is going to be. So, um, you know, the market has obviously moved its, moved through, you know, many, many presidents through the years. Uh, you've seen arguments always leading into the conventions about how one candidate is going to be better or worse than, than for the economy than the next one. Um and yet, through it all, you know, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average at record highs, right? And that's been uh, the case uh, through Republican and Democratic administrations here. Uh, so the market does kind of ultimately find its way uh, through, the, you know, the political uncertainty. Uh, and while there's some cyclical swings every now and then, of course, with uh, trends in earnings estimates and interest rates and the like, um, you know, the cyclical matter, you know, brings you back to those underlying fundamentals, and, and they improve over the course of time after a period of reset, uh, setting aside what's going on in the political arena. So, uh, so I'm not getting too caught up right now with, uh, you know, all of the noise coming out of uh, the political arena, leading up to these conventions, and and really kind of the the echo chamber that uh, is getting louder and louder with respect to, you know, who might win or who might lose and what it could mean for, you know, for the market and the economy. What are you working on right now that you think is important that obviously I'm going to ask my market high questions. What are you working on that's away from my wants and desires? Well, you know, uh, didn't get much talk today, much play today, but there was a economic sentiment report out of Germany that uh, for the month of July that was lousy. Um, it, it pivoted from a solidly positive number to, to a noticeably negative number, and that, of course, you know, right on the heels of, uh, of the Brexit vote. And it, what it does is it, it does indicate that, you know, there is, uh, you know, an elevated sense of uncertainty there uh, from in terms of what business prospects might look like here you know, in the near term. And I think, uh, you know, what that ultimately boils down to is that you're going to have businesses that continue to hold back on their investment plans. Uh, and that's going to continue to uh, act as a headwind against, uh, you know, growth in the Eurozone and, and in the global economy in general from being stronger than what it otherwise should be or would be. 
Um, so I'll be talking a little bit about that in an economic insight piece at postbriefing.com later this week. Um, and then I'm also probably going to be looking at later in the week the big picture column, uh, something that pertains to how the market's perspective is, quote, all relative. Uh, and that gets back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of even though stocks look stretched from a valuation standpoint, they look good relative to, uh, or at least in a lot of people's minds, they look good relative to what type of return you can get on a treasury security right now. So when you're saying that market looks expensive, one of the areas that I found fascinating last week when I was driving to work, uh, I heard an economist say something along the lines of, we can have higher PEs because we have lower yields on our CDs, and no yields on our CDs, we've got lower yields on our banks, uh, banking accounts. Mm. Therefore, there's always going to be a need for interest rates. Therefore, we may be entering an era of like a super PE where we way overpay. Mm. Is there any truth to that in your head? Does that make any sense? Did I sum up someone else's opinion okay? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, what you're communicating to me and what the individual said, I, I can see that it makes some sense. And, and you can see, you know, really that in the behavior of the market itself right now that, uh, you know, some of that, you know, mindset is creeping into things here. You know, I don't think it's the most healthy mindset, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, people will get hurt by pay, overpaying your, you know, for uh, you know, for certain stocks. And ultimately, all you're doing really is you're pulling forward future returns here by paying a higher price today. So you can pretty much bank on lower expected returns, uh, you know, in the future. So, so there's, there's, there's always, you know, a price to pay, so to speak. Uh, and right now, people are riding the momentum here of this market that keeps moving higher. And they're not uh, overly burdened by the valuation issue, knowing that interest rates are still you know, very, very low right now. But if that dynamic changes, uh, then there will be some payback, certainly. Thanks very much for being with us. I always appreciate it, especially when the markets are at new highs and just calming people down from getting ahead of themselves. It's very helpful. You can find out more about Patrick O'Hare and briefing.com by going to briefing.com. I think it's an excellent source of independent information both on international markets as well as domestic. Uh, there's growth story ideas. There's uh, uh, focuses on IPOs coming out, which will teach you if it's a good idea, a bad idea. I think it's just a really, really good source of information. You can find out more at briefing.com. On top of that, i got a big event coming up Thursday, the 28th of July. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Uh, what is the event? It's Income and Retirement. It's in Burlingame, California, 6 to 9, uh, 630 to 9 p.m. Um, it's the last event of the summer. Uh, is I won't get started back up until, I guess, school season starts in September. Um, so it's the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning the 28th. Don't work until the day you die. You want to be smart with your money. Um, and you want to get a big enough nest egg so that you can diversify your income streams in retirement that makes sense for you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Taking a look at the markets. Um, it's earnings season. Where you hit record highs yesterday. Which is nice. Most results that are coming in are better than expected. Yet a closer examiner indicates that's not Totally true. In an absolute sense, IBM and Goldman Sachs both beat earnings expectations and by a pretty comfortable margin. Um, better than expected is what you say. Results were no better mixed, though, compared to the same period a year ago. So last year, or in the last year, IBM's diluted earnings per share are down 23%. Whoa. So a lot of financial engineering going on there to make it look like it's better than it actually is. Um, again, be smart and be wise and don't get yourself into a position that um, you feel like you're out of control as far as trying to um, hit home runs with investing. A lot of people are emailing me about investing in Nintendo because they think the Pokemon craze is going to go up and up and up. Um, I see some people are now starting to sell their characters uh, on Craigslist and eBay um, because they're bored. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Not only has Nintendo shares gone up, but there's a company called First Baking, which uh, it's a bakery, and they make Pokemon bread where they wrap their breads with character-decorated bags, and that's going crazy. So even a bread company. So Netflix and Yahoo aren't exactly... <laughs> Sorry about that, Pokemon. Yep, welcome to America. So um, Netflix and Yahoo, they're not exactly blue bloods or anything like that, but they both get a lot of attention. Netflix... Um, Analysts, not analysts, but they had a tough quarter, and they have a super high valuation. So be careful when a momentum stock breaks. There's four phases of a stock, in my opinion. There's uh, income and value. You know, its stock has a good value, so it's uh, it also pays income. It's not going to grow like it used to. Um, there's, you know, growth in income. Obviously, you know, you would think of a dividend-paying stock that has a little bit of growth, but not much. Um, I think you can look at Apple as that kind of example at this point in time. Then you get growth stocks, which they're not paying any dividends usually, but they're growing. Um, and then you get these momentum stocks. And when they go from momentum to growth, it can be a painful switch. When they go from growth to growth and income, it can be a painful switch. Uh, because you lose the investor base that was there and what made them happy goes away. Um, there's a lot of really good companies out there other than just hyper growth companies like United Healthcare, Johnson Johnson, Lockheed Martin. Um, so 
think about that. Try to diversify your portfolio if you can. Google could face up to three separate antitrust cases. On one hand, that makes me want to buy a Google because they're so big that they're so good at what they do, it's tough to compete with them. That's like owning most of the board in Monopoly. You're going to probably end up doing pretty well. Um, but at the same time, I saw what happened to Microsoft. You have to be very, if you own some Google, some's okay. Don't go too crazy with it. Uh, Twitter and the NBA have inked a deal for live streaming some shows that the NBA are going to create some new shows that are going to broadcast uh, on a weekly basis on Twitter. But it's not NBA games. It's like, yeah. So there's five bidders in the final round for Yahoo and their core business. Final bids for the company's internet business expected. Um, yesterday, and they, they will know in a couple of weeks, uh, when you listen to the conference call out of uh, Yahoo, it kind of felt like a goodbye, um, a farewell from Marissa Meyer. I would love to be running Yahoo. Uh, we have a three-year strategic plan. I can see how it will work and how we can actually get to the successful turnaround of, of Yahoo. No, didn't exactly work out quite like that. Um, Warren Buffett once said, turnarounds seldomly turn. And I, I, sadly for Yahoo, they're really, they were a desktop internet company. And they've done okay um, in other areas. And certainly a company could take them private and, you know, try to bring up, uh, you know, fire the people that need to be fired. Uh, go through a, a painful process of putting in proper management and, uh, Maybe bring the company public. It could go to you, AT&T. might go to Verizon. Those are some of the potential bidders. The IMF came out today and modestly cut global growth forecast. The global economy is expected to grow a bit more slowly than expected because of the United Kingdom's recent vote to leave the European Union. So the IMF, International Monetary Fund, said there's distinct risks of more severe impact. The IMF attributed its surprisingly mild downward revision despite the so-called Brexit vote better than expected world growth so far this year. So um, growth not great. It's okay. Um, so there's a farmer. <laughs> I'll tell the story at a later time, but basically there's a farmer who has goats, and we're using more and more goats and sheep to graze and reduce fire risk in California. Pretty cool idea, in my opinion. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Twitter me at robblackshow. Also, do not forget that uh, it's easy to find me, uh, Rob Black Show, and the big event coming up Thursday in Burlingame, 6.30 to 9. It's income and retirement planning. Uh, you can sign up for it at robblackshow.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.